Each one of us is an individual. And in many faith traditions, one is taught that one is a specific soul and that there is no one like oneself. Some people who are um, existentially more neutral experience that there's nothing special, but they might like a certain food or color. And so they still move toward the individual within themselves, even if their minds believe there's nothing special about any of us, including themselves. And then we start arguing about faith and identity and the mind and how we find the answer. <clears throat> and I feel that a great deal of what we're speaking of in this retreat is turning to the mystery in which the heart of hearts has a conscience, which is the classroom of oneself. So let us turn to that heart of hearts in you or in me, so that together, I love the French word for together, ensemble, together, ensemble, like a musical ensemble, together we are part of the symphony, that flute, Oh, this guitar, how sonorous. What is that music of the spheres of the heavens we are attenuated to in some part of our souls where you listen to a note of music and one of my godchildren plays it on her flute? She walks in the beautiful lands near her family home and her father tells me there were wild turkeys today dear last evening. Her mother lets me know the blue heron was out the day before. The music of creation is all around them and me, and as holy family we are studying this in our heart of hearts, each one of us, so that the symphony of who we are together, the song of God, resonates in that goddaughter's heart and every cell of her being and body all the breaths and moments and years of her long life. How extraordinary what she will see and hear and taste and touch, the aspiration of her heart of hearts remembering who she is, being who she is, inspired to go forward, hopeful, faithful, virtuous, toward eternity, from eternity, she, that dewdrop of God in the ocean of God, that quality of why the poet's right exists in her. So Shelley wrote a poem about a figure found in the sands of northern Africa, of Egypt. Who might this be? It's been dug up. Is it intact? How much of it remains? When was it made? Who composed this? What does it look like? What must the stone feel like, the sandy stone? And then he became aware of all the eras 
that have come and gone, all the wars, all the fighting, all the yearning, all the greed, grasping at power, competition, hatred. For what? What grain of sand? Not one grain of sand will remain in your power, in the greed of your possession, once your incarnation falls away. When my breath is gone from this body, there's not one grain of the universe within my grasp, within my provenance. My home is in eternity, in the stars, really in the spaces between the grains of sand. We exist in the black hole that is the void, that is full of grace, full of resonant consciousness that is love. When we rest in this place within our heart of hearts, we know to move forward in the next breath virtuously as life, as embodied love, and that's who you are. That's who my goddaughter is. That's who I am. When we practice this together, we create a safe home for her upon this earth. We create a safe environment for all the animals which will ever know her. All the young men or women, the young people who will be her peers, her colleagues the provenance of her generation. When we pray and practice and allow this to rise up from our heart of hearts, the classroom of our conscience becomes the abiding seat or grounded central place of our path. And when we know in an instant, oh, this is what would be right to do, we are to do it. When we are aware, this would be the way for me to be who I am and to embody that virtuously. Our responsibility, our response to the divine, our response to that quality upon which every religion is based, our responsibility is to represent that and to seek that every moment of the blessing of our lives until our life is gone. And we who study from where we came and who and where we are now and to where we will go, we then are righteously present with the material plane. Hence the young man who brought the salmon they had already taken salmon to the old people of the village before they brought it to me. The first conversation was really one of ethics. Was there enough food for the others? Yes, we've already fed the older people. And one of the older people knew that my colleagues and I might not have food. We, they were, she was correct. We had no fresh food. We had canned and packaged food. We had nothing natural from that environment. Everything had flown up with us on an airplane from Anchorage. 
into Fairbanks and then up into the bush villages. Everything was packed on the plane and came from stores in Seattle, Washington, or Anchorage, Alaska. So one woman, whose name I don't know, was so aware in her heart of hearts of me, in my heart of hearts, that she took care of me as if I were her goddaughter. Son, other son, please go make sure that woman has fresh food. There was no enemy. There was no weapon raised. Instead, I'm speaking to you half a century later about Holy Communion, Prasad, which is blessed food in the South Asian tradition. The quality of what we light in butter lamps or olive oil lamps in East Asia or Greece and the Peloponnese. The same oil lamps were lit in Mesopotamia and in Egypt when the statue of Memnon was created, the statue of Ramses, the statue of Ozymandias. So what occurs is we come from a history where we can only remember little portions of it. And I want us to go in two directions right now with time to the places in our memory that we have identified as being wrong, treacherous, scarred. You won't believe what I have undergone. I am so traumatized. The place where we have so deeply glamorized our scars that we have forgotten the health of the present breath, the privilege of the coming breath. How wondrous to be alive. Thank you for this gift. I who have survived the scars of my heritage because, you know, the life force was so much greater than the scars, was it not? How are you in Palestine today and you in Israel today? Shall we break bread together and find out what to do with the sands of the terrain, of the land, that the children born today of any ethnicity anywhere upon the earth are given heaven on earth because of the old woman no longer alive in Nulato, Alaska. The two young men who had gone out fishing caught fish that were incredible. And at her humble request, her honorable request, simply carried one to me. They never, they didn't know my name. In the heart of hearts of each of those men and her heart of hearts and mine, we are in the ocean. The fish that came from the Yukon, that came from heaven on that day, June, late June, 1975. 
And the blessing of the life given from that fish to us is still with us today. Oh, the signature of that fish in eternity, of that beautiful, beautiful river, of the Kuchin Athabascan and Tanana Athabascan people. And you and me. Oh, let's see. We are one. And then we find that all of our tribes together are like letters of an alphabet through which we can express ecstasy and goodness and shared aspiration. I can remember heaven beside you enough to be safe in this breath, in all the cells of my body, this moment upon this earth where you are and I am. Ah, what shall that oceanic creator do through you and me now? This next breath, this next moment, that is holy and true for the sake of my goddaughter and yours. And a godson you don't know yet. You know, where rather than weapons, he's shepherding. He's fishing, he's finding a way to tear, take care of the grasses and trees of his homeland. And he'll teach my God's son so that together, Palestine and Israel and the Ukraine and Russia, you know there's enough for a sweater for each of the Ukrainians, isn't there? And the Russians, why were they fighting? How much did anyone think they were taking with them when they left their body and went back to wherever we all come from. Oh, I see, we're fighting over that, aren't we? So let's kill each other while we're down here so none of us get to go to a good place when we die, if there is such a one. Because none of us will let there be a good place down here because, you know, I'm so scarred and you're so scarred from our history that I really hate you and you really hate me and let me tell you the statue you should tear down and how you've culturally appropriated something from my ancestors. Oh, and I have from yours? Let's kill each other right now. When there is a pressure, we call suffering. I refer to the word used in early Buddhism, dukkha, which really is more the absence of oneness, the absence of realizing autonomy adequately. When one is in that state, one is actually yearning for another sentient being to acknowledge oneself. Greeting you. Acknowledging. And really bringing forward vulnerably the question, how are you? How can I meet you from heaven, this breath, you and that breath, that we can remember in you heaven. That we can remember in me heaven. So that we are attenuated to listening and looking and tasting and touching and feeling in our perceptions as human beings toward how to embody in the next moment a blessed life beyond all hatred, beyond all war, beyond all weapons, that you and I and your children and mine 
and your absence of being able to have a child, and yours, and your many children, and your your little one, and your handicapped one, and your brilliant one. How shall we embody this together? What virtues shall we practice that we might take care of the symphony of all the newborn babes together with their gifts and their needs? Imperfectly, I'm sorry, I'm just a human. I don't play the flute well. I'll let my goddaughter play that for you. And then what occurs is we become comfortable that we are vulnerable to, touched by the mystery of what we don't remember and what we don't know yet so that we embody the openness of loving willingly and receiving love willingly to other beings, from other beings, for the sake of the conscience of the heart of hearts itself. The second part of this is that when we practice this, we are gifted with gifts that are not able to be possessed on a material level. And those come with us and go with us spiritually. I know there are people who will say, I, I, I don't know how to prove that with my mind. And I go, oh, I, I could prove it with my experience. Let us breathe together and walk together. And then all of a sudden, one takes a breath and finds in the cells of one's body that they are being fulfilled. And the mind can't grasp at it tries to understand who's doing this, what's happening. It's nothing important I can show anybody in the world. What does it mean? How do I grasp it? I go, you don't grasp it. This is the place in your heart of hearts where the creator, God, he, she, that, that great one, or for a secular humanist, the universe, is full. And we realize, oh, I who am empty am also being filled up. I who am empty am maybe filled up with knowing I need to make sure that there's a fish for my goddaughter or a flute or enough love that she is always able to remember, to listen for the divine and the sunlight, and the rainbow, and the moonbeam, no matter where she is on this earth, every breath of her life, because I love her so. Nothing in the world can purchase this from me. Nothing in the universe can take this from me. It belongs in eternity to the divine, in my heart of hearts and in hers. It always has, it always will. Then the quality is present that just as the moment she was born, whenever the moment is that I was born or will die, 
I am fulfilled in every grain of sand that was around the statue of Ozymandias, of Ramses, of Memnon. And I am part of the memory of whoever the human being is who was Ramses, of whoever the human being was who carved the statue of him, of whoever every human being who has ever been is. Oh, your holy family and mine. How could I think they were my enemy? How could I not remember each and every soul back into the mystical heavens or cosmic universe from which every human being has arisen? which is every human being's domain, which is the peaceful and harmonious unity to which my heart of hearts, my conscience at the center of my heart will return. Eternity, time, now, this moment. Remembering back, oh yes, of course, through all the places where I fell off my bicycle or was devastated by another human being. You know, I breathed. I continued, here we are, here I am, how are you? How are we? Oh, heaven on earth, peace on earth. And then that love for what is real encompasses calling forward to every other human being, remember? home, remember through your traumas, home, remember the direction of your path, breathe, pray, and practice, remember you are responsible in eternity for your next breath, and following the direction of your heart of hearts or not, as for me, I am going to pray and practice and breathe and follow the direction of my heart of hearts, my home, always. Part of why we have anxiety is we study, well, if I follow that, what if the Gestapo came and killed me now? I go, they might. What if somebody came and robbed me now? What if they did something horrible to me now? I better not be real so that I am a worse enemy than anybody I might meet. I go, well, that's really a very foolish and unintelligent way to be with reality. There's nothing interesting about it. And you are now beginning to create thoughts and create elementals, thought forms that are like demonic, hateful. It's just horrible to be yourself. Why would you do that? People think, because everybody else is doing it, and I go, well, you know, not me. Not me. It's not because I'm particularly intelligent. It's largely because of my parents, parts of my grandparents, one of my great aunts and uncles, my uncle Arthur, great uncle Arthur and his wife, my great aunt Beatrice teachers of mine throughout all of my life, particularly spiritual teachers from many religions, many tribes. 
They were patient with me until I dismantled oh, that elemental that was so afraid of being attacked because I was attacked by men from all four major racial groups of our society. Am I afraid of men? No. Did they hurt me? They devastated me. Where are the scars? They're not there. So as I turned to the four directions, this man of Africa, that man of Asia, this tribal man of the brown-skinned and red-skinned people, this white man, ah yes, my brothers, my sons, my fathers, my love for God in you is beyond all of your weapons. It's time to go home now. You to your heart of hearts and you and you and you and myself and this woman and that woman and this woman and that woman and together. Including a feminism, including the patriarchal nature of my society's history of naming and passing on property, including the matriarchal forms of some of my adoptive families, the Iroquois, Haudenosaunee. And then the, the humanism is present, the women and men, the people together, with the duties of each of our ages, of which we're capable to be responsible, the imperfection of what it is to be a human being, so that the heart of hearts learns to be so supple in its muscular development that it is tolerant and patient, seeing another through. Oh, you who came through this history, well, remember eternity and the internal conscience of your heart of hearts so that all the scars in you are recapitulated and resolved and the present moment in you is a breath that is natural and fulfilled that the cells of your body embody heaven on earth a peaceful cup-like vessel-like quality in your countenance in your actions in your gestures forward so that the quality of grace, the light of God, the sound of the heavens, the creation of the universe safely moves through your hands to the best of your ability for the sake of the heart of hearts of every single human being, including yourself. You're then honoring in history the fulfilled and unfulfilled quest in other human beings. Then as you move toward the future, the quality of history becomes a very blessed and contented seeking of home. Where one is humbly or privately fulfilled modestly, and one is turned in the direction of 
regarding this and other human beings. Then there's a quality where we are addressing the cultures of the world and seeking a map that is a home, one home. I have to, over my left shoulder, a beautiful print, a, like a lithograph that was made by a professor in Russia, St. Petersburg. And it reminds me of the poet Joseph Brodsky, who was very close to me, very profound soul, who was seeking exactly what we're speaking of today. If a person came into my home and we're studying the modern era and the arguments in the world right now, they might ask me, what are you doing with a piece of art on your wall? It's maybe a foot and a half tall by a foot wide. That's the man walking in the snow in St. Petersburg. What are you doing with a piece of art that's by a Russian man? Don't you know what they're doing in the Ukraine? My heart of hearts might answer, not that artist. Not Joseph when he was alive. Not all the men in Russia. Not what I hold for the men in Russia to be or to become. Not how my heart of hearts is parenting the boys of Russia. And then I turn in a direction of what is the goodness of a Russian boy or man. I don't go toward, let's trade the scars of history for the new scars the Russians are creating. Let's trade the scars of history of the Gestapo for the new scars the Palestinians and Israelis are creating. You know, I'm really not interested in doing that. My next breath is precious to me, in God, in the universe, and so is yours. So don't let one aspect of your breath turn from the universe or the conscience of your heart of hearts toward anyone falling. You are responsible for not falling yourself. That is your responsibility. Don't let anyone cause you to fall. then that place of your conscience, your heart of hearts, is studying such love that the leader of Israel and the leader of Palestine are shamed by your direction from eternity to eternity, calling them homeward. That out of the sands of the earth, there is a home for every baby to be born east of the Mediterranean Sea because this earth is yours too and mine also. And those children are to be shepherded safely upon this earth beside my goddaughter in the mystery of their lives and in the places in which I can understand them. Oh, you from this tribe who speak this language and you who wear this clothing that comes from 
another culture. And you who have this hanging on your wall, I have to my right a, a, a small vase, a, kind of a, a small bowl. It's made of what's called German silver, a kind of pewter alloyed silver. It's a copy of a bowl that would have been made by the Diné or Navajo people maybe a hundred years ago. So if I were sitting with a friend from native tribes, they might ask, what are you doing with that bowl? And I'd say, it was a gift to me. I love it. It's kind of beautiful. I put pencils in it. And one person might say, I'm furious. My grandfather is full Diné, and he used to make bowls like this. Who is the person who copied these bowls? And I could answer, well, it's a Native American man who wanted many people in the world to be able to be in relationship to a part of his culture. And he wanted to be able to live not on the reservation, but to visit the reservation for ceremonies and come out into the Phoenix Scottsdale area so his children could go to school in the world and that the world could meet them and they could meet the world. So he created them in a way that was possible with materials and inexpensively enough that ordinary people like myself could remember the respect of his manner of prayer, philosophy, his cultural gifts, that we might remember this conscience together. That's why I have this bowl. Is my Diné or Navajo bowl fighting with my my walking lithograph Russian man? Now they're sitting here so that I can remember from eternity as the one modest human being I am, that we are all turning in one direction and that every breath we take in which we pray and practice to remember this and integrate the scars and remember the life of our ancestors that brought us to this safe breath, this safe moment, so that we willingly, responsibly take the next breath. Then we recognize all of these languages taught us to fish with the Athabascan men, to sit with the Diné people, to study with my Russian poet, great beloved, Joseph, who, who died you know, in his mid-50s, just heartbroken to not be allowed to go back to Russia. He would be horrified at the bombing. And as a linguist and a poet, he would be seeking what is happening between the Ukraine and Russia and this area and this area and this area. How shall we resolve this in our heart of hearts? How from eternity to this moment do we live, including the scarring, but being the great souls who are just human shepherds, caretaking one another as our flocks, as our herds, 
Oh, all of you, and all of you, and all of you, and all of you who are my kin, and I whom are, are yours, how shall we do this together? So that in this moment, as we face eternity, we allow that when we are gone and others are looking back, they don't necessarily see a statue of you or me as Ozymandias or the kingdom that's fallen apart. But wherever they're walking or sitting, residing, resting, dining, seeking, in their heart of hearts, they're content. They're seeking virtue. They're allowing their thoughts not to cause elementals of sort of created energies that start to argue with each other, but to instead realize with their thoughts, oh, I apply my thoughts toward virtue so that who you become and who I become are two individuals facing the same direction. And then God, he, she, that, that great one, the universe, fulfills us and in mystery answers us. And then your heart of hearts and my heart of hearts knows what to do. And that realization is always the fruit one is seeking. Every breath, every moment, in prayer, in practice, in life, here, everywhere, and always.